welcome to the Game Raven Review Podcast. I am your host, Sam, and as I am every week, I am joined by some very talented individuals in the world of indie games. As we discuss today's podcast episode being, what does the word indie mean anyway? But before we get into any of that, I want to introduce our very special guest, Our. Our, how are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me. It is our pleasure. And Our, just for a little bit, can you tell us about yourself? Uh, well, I'm just a regular guy. I mean, I go to work full time every day and I come home and I try to play games when I can. Uh, it's few and far between now when I actually get to sit down and play games. But uh, when I do, I prefer indie games. I mean, I like AAA games just as much as the next person. But uh, I mean, indie is where it's at for me. And that's there's just an amazing community of people and the developers are all amazing. And um, I just can't get enough of it. I mean, I always want to try to help them out and show them off on stream or on Twitter or wherever I can and just get the word out for them. Very nice. And again, glad to have you here today. And as always, we also have Puppet. Hello. Puppet, how are you? I am really good. How are you, Sam? I am existing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel it sometimes. Yep. Puppet, glad to have you. And also Taz. Hey, how are you? I'm freaking wonderful. I had like the best lunch ever today, so I'm great. You know, you brought it up. What did you have for lunch? Thank you for asking. I had uh, some boneless buffalo wings put into those like Hawaiian, like sweet Hawaiian rolls. Ate it like a sandwich with a little bit of, uh, I think it's called like dad's root beer and a Snickers. Mm. Best day ever. Dad's root beer is. Uh, yeah, I got to go eat now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that does sound good. I am. I have not eaten past lunch today. I oh, no. Thank you, Dad. You're welcome. <laughs> but thank you all for joining me this week. And we'll be right back with what we've been playing. See you there. to the game raven review podcast with the segment what we've been playing where we talk about what we've been playing for the last week or so um since i am the host here and you listen to this podcast more than once yeah didn't play anything this week sam kind of decided to sleep um we will start with our very illustrious guest our our what have you been playing um well when i get a chance i always enjoy uh, some cygnus pizza race it's from Long Play Games. It's just a little mini racing game. He actually, it's actually the a mini game within his main game um, called Smugglers of Cygnus that he's working on. There's a demo coming out for that this winter. So Cygnus Pizza Race. We've been having monthly tournaments all year long, and each month the winner um, goes into what we call the bracket for the Tournament of Champions. And the Tournament of Champions is going on right now. And 
we're going to crown one final best of the best champion. And, you know, they'll get uh, some ultimate prizes, some nice swag from the game, and um, a paid voice acting role in Smugglers of Cygnus. So that's why we were all competing, really, is, you know, we wanted that paid voice acting role. Uh, so that's probably the indie game that I play the most, is Cygnus Pizza Race. And uh, recently I was a community manager for a, a small indie team, and we actually just released a demo called Twilight Star Heart of Air. Uh, so I did some testing on it and everything, and that's that's what I was playing um, up until this week. So very, very cool game, AAA quality, and it's, it's going to knock your socks off. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, I've been keeping an eye on that. Yeah, uh, we, they had to push the release date back, you know, that happens, you know, you don't want to release a unpolished, you know, they're the whole cyberpunk deal, you know, you don't want to go down <laughs> that road. So, so we at least, you know, they decided to push it back a week. Let's polish this thing up and then release an awesome demo. And the demo is like two to four hours long, depending on your play style. So there's a lot of content there for people to enjoy. Nice. I'm looking at some of the screenshots now. This does look nice. Mm-hmm. And let's move on to Taz. Taz, what have you been playing? Uh, I've been playing Pokemon Shining Pearl. That Ooh. just came out this last uh, Friday, I believe. Um, I need to get my own Switch, is confirmed. Uh, definitely need to do that. Um, I have about seven hours cranked in, only on one... Uh, uh, only have one gym badge. I'm kind of kind of a grinding in the underground using the explorer's kit going for gems and shining pokemon and stuff like that um i it's a really nostalgic feeling because i definitely played it when it first came out on the ds uh way back when and i think pearl is like my second favorite uh pokemon game uh right behind pokemon emerald um so that it's been fun. It's been a nice nostalgic kind of place, you know. I'm trying to keep up with. I'm like probably like the least like Pokemon fan, I guess, because I have a lot of thoughts on it. That's not necessarily the most popular, but I've like my entire friend group. I have like maybe you know not as much street cred, but I prefer. I can hang. I can hang. Um, so that's been really fun. I've been like I've been loving the quality of life changes in the game uh, compared to the original. Uh, and I'm still playing Konosuba Fantastic Days. They just ended their ReZero. Um, uh, collaboration event uh, and I'm, I'm very curious to see what they'll do in the next patch and like whatever what other uh, uh, collaborations they do with different anime I'm very excited looking forward to that been playing that every day since day one I even started like re-watching the anime just for funsies <laughs> very nice and Puppet what have you been playing I have also been playing Pokemon surprisingly <laughs> no not surprisingly <laughs> Pikachu shock shakes oh. <laughs> I love my Pokemon. Oh my gosh. Uh I have been really enjoying Brilliant Diamond. Um kind of like Taz. I had uh there's a, a couple quirks to it that I had to get used to at first. Um there were a couple mechanics where I'm like, is this um you know, is this nostalgic or is this lazy development? I'm not really sure, but uh it's kind of annoying. But as I went on I um I started to get immersed and all of those kind of uh thoughts faded away as I dove into the world of Pokemon. I did not play the original Diamond and Pearl. It was the it was the generation that I kind of skipped. Um at that point, you know, I was a little 
too old for Pokemon, which is not true, but that's what I thought back then. Um, <laughs> and so my younger sister played it. Um, uh, so I don't really have a lot of context per se for, um, for this game, but, uh, so far I'm liking the story. I think the, the narrative is interesting. I mean, Pokemon isn't known for its, uh, <laughs> storytelling by any means whatsoever. But um, this one is interesting uh, just because of the nature of the uh, legendaries. And um, we, also <laughs> we also got together and watched the, um, the movie that came out in 2007, the same time that Diamond and Pearl came out. Um, and that was, that was super fun because I'd never seen that. Um, and we just laughed. And, <laughs> you know, Turtwig, if you're listening, we see you. We know how much you work. Uh, we value you, and we think you're a great part of the team. <laughs> we don't care what Ash says or anybody else. No. <laughs> <laughs> the most undervalued player right there, Turtwig. Um, <laughs> so there's that. I've been playing Pokemon. Um, I've also uh, jumped in back into uh, Graveyard Keeper. It's my first playthrough, and um, I've been really enjoying it. If you guys uh, like Stardew Valley at all, and uh, you want another kind of cozy game with um, kind of a twist, <laughs> a twisted twist to it, I highly recommend uh, Graveyard Keeper. It's been around for a little bit, but uh, it's, a, it's a great little cozy game um, for those of us who like uh, kind of spoopy stuff. Um, and then I um, am also playing through Scarlet Hollow, um, which I started playing back a while ago um, when it first was released, when its first chapter was released. Um, it's, um, it is written and uh, created by Abby Howard, who is a, a writer and il illustrator. And it's, it's a wonderful visual narrative. I've been really enjoying it. So I played the first cha chapter when it first came out, or first episode. Um, I have not played the second episode, but I decided to go back through and start from the beginning um, so I can, you know, truly immerse myself and experience both episodes one after the other. Um, and so that's been really fun. So those are my those are my games this week. Very nice. Now for Puppet and Taz, this is a very important question, as we might have talked about this a little like a week or so ago of recording, at least. And this will be, you know, directed to you two. What Pokemon did you choose as your starter? Well, I um, have been told that I look like Dawn because I have blue hair. That's about it. <laughs> I'm a white chick with blue hair. Um, mm. <laughs> and uh, I actually got a, a hat, a beanie hat like hers, a while ago because I was like, you know, when I first uh, started having blue hair, um, which was when I was born, obviously. Um, I was like, oh, who could I cosplay as that has blue hair? And um, I was like, are there any Pokemon characters? And I, I found Dawn, and I was like, yes! Okay, somebody I can somewhat cosplay. Um, and so I just had it sitting around. And, you know, when this um, new game came out, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the game with Dawn. So I've been wearing that hat. So, of course, I had to choose Piplup because um, that is Dawn's character. Um, her little, her little Pokemon, little Piplup. Um, he's adorable. If, if I did not have that connection to Dawn, honestly, I would not have chosen Piplup. 
Um, but now that I have Piplup and he is now a Prinplup, he evolved everyone. Congratulations, little Piplup. You've, you've, uh, graduated. Um, in the game, you can have your Pokemon outside of the Pokeball. And as you're running around, like, this Prinplup is, like, Naruto running behind you, and it's the best thing ever. Like, it makes me so happy. So, I am glad with my choice now. <laughs> Simply for the Naruto run. Um, so that's, that's me, Piplup. Very nice, very nice. Taz, what about you? Uh, I went with Turtwig in my original DS uh, playthrough. I went with Chimchar, but I've never actually done a serious uh, grass-type starter before. And I love Turtwig. Love me some turtle action, especially after watching the movie. I'm like, yo, that, you know, put some respect on the homie's name, you know? So I uh, went with Turtwig. Love him so far. He can take a hit. Actually, my actually, excuse me. Uh, if I can go into more depth, um, Turtwig tried four times to get it to its impish nature, which is arguably the one of the greater um, natures for a Turtwig. Increases in uh, defense, but decreases in special attack, which is totally fine because if I can, you know, milk them down and just kind of take some hits here and there, but still dish out a good punch. Um, my Turtwig, who's also in the game a female, we're, we're, we're kicking ass and taking names. I'm trying to get as beefy as possible. That way I'm never in a um, type disadvantage. I can just one shot easy, easy money. So we're doing great. So I am a big Gen 1 fan. Like mm. Gen 1 and Gen 2 is where it was at for me. That's where I peaked with my Pokemon. And I actually played through Pokemon Yellow on my original Game Boy Color just last summer. So <gasps> oh, nice. Nice. I love the original Pokemon and Char Charmander was always my starter because Charizard is my favorite all time Pokemon. And I just love rolling with him going into the Elite Four. He's just so awesome. Oh my gosh, have you seen this self-care Charizard meme? Uh no, I haven't. Oh my goodness. It is wonderful. <laughs> You'll have to send that to me. Yes. Oh yeah. Um it's it's what made me love Charizard because um, you know, in the in the meme you can see Charizard like hanging out in a hot spring at some point during the show, which I don't remember this part of the show. Um, but apparently, you know, he's got his like towel over his forehead and he's just like chilling in a spa somewhere and i'm like you know if i were a gym leader i wouldn't mind being like a fire type gym leader in a volcano um surrounded by a bunch of self-care charizards you know we'll all just sit in a hot spring together it will be wonderful <laughs> it's so relaxing heck yeah yeah so i'll have to, i'll have to send that to you <laughs> yeah oh he has a little towel on his head no he does uh, he works so hard he works so hard you know Ash's longest companion outside of Pikachu, of course. Yes. Yeah, actually. Um, and had quite a story, you know? Like, he had, a, um, had an arc. He had an arc. Yeah, we all have abandonment issues, so I feel like we all kind of, like, you know, related to, to little Charmander um, at some point or another. Well, I say we all, but really. <laughs> I just assume everybody's like me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, and he, you know, he was kind of a jerk for a while, actually, now that I think he about was. it. He had attitude. He had a little yeah. teenager rebellion arc, you know, 
Ash didn't get all the badges. So, of course, this Pokemon was overleveled and didn't listen to him. Right. To be fair, Ash is a terrible trainer. Absolutely. A terrible trainer. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. However, I did, I did just watch the uh the third pokemon movie with entei i don't know when the anime but like uh charizard pieces out and finds like the mountain of charizards and they're just chilling and i forgot how this charizard like knew something was up i don't know if he saw on the news or he had a feeling and he flew all the way to ash and right before you know spoilers but it's been out for like 25 years uh ash is about to get you know you know, unalived and Charizard comes in swooping and fights a freaking legendary Pokemon with mm-hmm. his bare hands. Does it does everything he could. He was away, I don't know for how long. He was out and he came back coming to the rescue. So he's he's loyal. He's just kind of a jerk sometimes. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps as you're talking about this because that is a beautiful moment in that movie. The mm-hmm. Entei movie is one of my favorite movies. Um oh just beautiful. Makes me want to cry. <laughs> Well, before the waterworks start from all of us with being our nostalgic glasses of Pokemon. <laughs> Again, Dark Christ mm. Um We will move forward. So thank you all for your answers. And we'll be right back with the question of the week. See you there. game raven review podcast with our segment question of the week in our discord every day we pretty much ask a question and kind of see where everyone's heads at about well said question if you would like to join said discord you can go to gameravenreview.com and a link will be right there for our discord now this week it is american thanksgiving um we i didn't choose a question from um our question of the day because again so on Thanksgiving. So I wanted to kind of see what everyone's mind was at with this. What is your favorite Thanksgiving dish? It could be a side. It could be a main. It could be pie for all I care. Oh, <laughs> uh, Puppet, let's start with you. Oh, goodness. I am a big gravy fan. So anything I can completely soak in gravy <laughs> is my favorite. <laughs> Everything. everything i'm not picky just just give me the whole boat you know (laughs) very nice very nice taz are you also a gravy fiend (laughs) not a fiend no you know it's it's all you know i'm not a fiend necessarily uh just put a little dabble on my my taters and turkey that's it that's it that's all i need um but i think it's a tie between just some simple cranberry sauce and uh sweet uh sweet potatoes with the uh like baked or like roasted yes uh marshmallows on top mm. love me some of that awesome hey wait back up 
Mm-hmm. You just eat cranberry sauce by itself? Yeah. What? What are you supposed <laughs> to put it on? Turkey. Ah, <laughs> uh, see, no, I'll just get the freaking I'll just get a bowl of that sucker, dude. Like heck. What? Yeah. I have never heard of this or seen you do this. This is hilarious to me. D- does anybody else wait? Am I the weird one? Does anybody else just eat straight no, that's, up? No, that's 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 Unless, Well, if it's if my gravy's on the turkey, I'm not gonna put my cranberry sauce on the turkey with the gravy. That's just that's just weird. I'll just eat it by itself, nice and cold. Oh my god. Oh my goodness. I'm a simple man. <laughs> Our are you also on the cranberry side here? Are you? Um, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a cranberry fan. Um, I guess I'm a little unter, uh, untraditional. Is that a word? Um, in my, in my family, like, yeah, we have, you know, the traditional turkey, mashed potatoes, all that stuff. But like my mom would always throw in deer meat as well. What? Um, Cause mm-hmm. Thanksgiving is always, especially here in Missouri, it's right after Thanksgiving is right after deer season. So oh. we always have some deer meat and mm. I can just, I can crush some deer meat for, for Thanksgiving. <laughs> and you know, it's like, I'm a carnivore, so I just go for meat and I don't really care too much about all the sides, but just give me a big old pile of deer meat and I'm good. Mm, that sounds so good. <laughs> My uncle, um, here on the West coast, um, you know, we live up here in Washington. He was a hunter or he is a hunter. And, um, on uh, Thanksgiving, sometimes he would bring bacon wrapped elk. <laughs> it was so good. Oh my goodness. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I've never had deer though. That's intriguing to me. Yeah. It's just, you know, venison, if you want to call it that. But yeah, it's just Missouri, good old Missouri white tailed deer. Delicious. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> okay. okay. So, Taz, I just want you to know that we love you and we accept you for. Any habits that you have, especially food habits. Um, Thank you. I'm glad to feel seen. <laughs> you are seen. You're heard and you're beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> um, as Puppet said, gravy, like gravy is like a staple, right? Like you kind of have to have the gravy, at least in the vicinity of the plate. Like it just kind of needs to be there. Is it going to go on everything? Yeah, probably. Like... Again, just needs to be around. Like, if you have Thanksgiving dinner without gravy, I would be like, so y'all didn't, no one made? Oh, how we forget that? Side note, um, gravy goes really well on deer meat. Just FYI. I bet. Then I'm all for it. <laughs> I'm going to Google where to find deer meat in Texas. Which I'm pretty sure we have somewhere. We have meat for everything here. <laughs> <laughs> but my um, main dish that I can not go out go oh, words that i just need to have for thanksgiving is going to be dressing um cornbread dressing to be specific stuffing is fine i am not a giant fan of stuff i think stuffing's okay at the same time though a cornbread dressing which is different i will fight you um it's just different especially the way my mother made it and my grandmother you know rest your soul how they would make it it just, I don't know, it, just, it was always just so good and something that, but I like it like more than like the twice a year we would eat it. Yeah, probably. But I also think it takes away the specialness of it. Whereas like having like turkey where again, we don't do a full turkey anymore because honestly, we would never eat it all. So it then became like turkey pieces, mm. which to me, I think is just better and easier to kind of keep up with. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and also you don't have to do the rigmarole of like stuffing a turkey with anything. It's like, it's just turkey pieces. Get it done. <laughs> um, but dressing to me, put the gravy on. And you just have a good time. And then you sneak in like a couple of hours later <laughs> to be like, where's all, where's that, where's that dressing at? I'll make me another plate. <laughs> Things yes. are digested. You know, like I, I can come back. Right. Yeah, no one's going to judge me. That second wind. Ah, man, second wind. Sam, I've never heard of cornbread dressing, but I'm so glad you mentioned it. It looks so good. That sounds delicious. Yeah. It's like sweet stuffing. Is it sweet? Do you put like it honey on be. it? Okay, okay. It can be. So it matters on who makes it, right? Like, I like my more savory than sweet. Um, mm-hmm. But I've also had sweet where it's it's not like fully sweet, but it, you can taste like they use like a sweet of cornbread, mm-hmm. right? Where again, with you mix up with the, like the saltiness of the gravy, and then you kind of get that salty sweet flavoring going on, and it's like this isn't too bad. I kind of like Ooh. this, you know. And again, it's the for us, it's like Thanksgiving, Christmas, and that's usually the only time we really have it. Mm-hmm. Again, you probably could ask for it, but it also is like it takes steps. <laughs> and it's like this isn't something you do like every weekend because that would just that would be kind of crazy. A lot of extra work. I might do it. But yes, <laughs> again, extra work is not something we want to do. It's like, eh. <laughs> that's what we stopped doing full turkeys. Like, that's what we stopped doing that, too, because my mom was like, we don't eat all of it. So mm-hmm. Why are we just continually doing this turkey? Yeah. And that's when we the turkey pieces. It's that's such a good idea because like I, you know, I I'm a woman, so I grew up being taught that I need to make a turkey every single Thanksgiving because it's my job as a wife <laughs> to do so. Not true at all. <laughs> what? I know. Women aren't supposed to be just slaving <sighs> away in the kitchen. Right. While I, I watch the footballs. Football. No, now I'm the one watching football and drinking a beer. And <laughs> <laughs> No, go. but like I would like brine our turkey for like two or three days, yeah. you know, and do all the fancy stuff and then cook it. And like it, it's gone within like 15 minutes. And I'm like, I spent days on this <laughs> and it's all gone. Think, no, no. no, never. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> People are very appreciative. <laughs> was it Popeye's? It was a it was some like restaurant that started doing like Cajun turkeys. Where it was pretty much already seasoned for you kind of thing. Cool. And so it was like, that was like the first step on, okay, we're not having a full turkey. We're going to cut down on the like giant turkey to like a medium sized turkey. Oh, wait, this restaurant is offering like, I don't know how much turkeys cost. Like for whatever amount of money, it's already seasoned. You just need to bake it. Cool. Then it was like, all right, well, we're just doing turkey pieces. And it wasn't really a discussion with my mother. It was more like, this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And you people be quiet. Yeah, all right. I'm fine. I'll make, <laughs> make my desserts and move along. <laughs> she sounds like a smart woman. She. But yeah, I also can small story. Tangents. Our we I, I have tangents. Um, so <laughs> because the public mentioned like the whole like woman and cooking thing. So like I hate with a personal passion of like I like women doing things for me. That sounds somewhat sexist too. But like Things that I know I can do, I don't look for a woman to do that for me. Mm. As an example of cooking, I don't expect right. a woman to cook for me. Do I expect a woman to be able to cook? Yes, because you're an adult. 
you have to be able to make something. Not for me, just for, for your own sustenance to survive your life. Unless you're eating out all the time. Something that requires more than a microwave. <laughs> like if you're just mixing water to something else. Yeah. Which I've had. I've had instant potatoes. I've had those cheesy mac bowls. Those are great. At the same time, I still also believe. Man, get some baked chicken. It's like salt, pepper, garlic. Like it's not hard. <laughs> like just. It's not a hard thing to do. Just, just do it. <sighs> and I remember um, a couple of years ago, I was dating this girl. We were at like a wedding that was like at a at someone's house. It was really sweet and intimate and things. Because <laughs> you mentioned watching football and, um, you know, afterwards we eat or whatever, right? And so the Cowboys are playing and I get up because it's time for cake. Because, you know, I would like cake, I guess. And while I'm in the line, I realize I'm the only man that stood up to go get cake. Oh. And I'm looking around like, um... What's happening? And and then the women look at her and be like, why aren't you getting this mad cake? And I'm like, don't put me in this box. Don't do this. Oh, <laughs> like, interesting. Like, please, please, older women. I please, no, I didn't ask for this. I just I just wanted cake. You just wanted some cake, man. And they were like, yeah. oh, she, she'll get that for you. And I'm like, no, that's fine. No. It's okay. I'm already here. It would be awkward for me to then walk back and have this poor woman who has been here probably doing wonderful things because she's a wonderful person um, to then ask her to give me cake. It's fine. I, I made my own plate. That was also a thing of like, she can make your plate. And I'm like, she doesn't know what I want. though. Like, <laughs> just, my response to that is she doesn't know what I want. Like I, I could tell her, I guess, but it's just easier for me to do it. I just, yeah. I just want to even put her back in my car as we go back home, and not have that awkward silence of why'd you make me get you cake? And I'm like, I didn't, I didn't, mm. I didn't. I got peer pressured by the old, but I got my own cake. And then afterwards, we did have a conversation like, would you have done it? She's like, I don't know. And I'm like, that's a no. <laughs> like that's that's an, if you can't say yes, and it's a no. Yeah. Wow. Gosh. Oh my gosh, yeah. And now that we're talking about it, like I had no idea how many like um uh yeah, sexist traditions we have around this holiday. Like I just had I just never thought about it. I don't know. And wow, cool. But that's not what our podcast is about. We're going to talk about video games. <laughs> One of these after night specials we do. I know, exclusive content. And all my grievances out. <laughs> Listen to Sam rant. About patriarchy. Oh, uh, but it's funny. Again, the older <laughs> generations are hilarious to me, what they expect from people. I'm like, eh. And then you just have a good time with your family, friends. Friendsgiving's a thing that, again, is still catching on here in the United States, which I don't know if it's all around the world, but I know here a lot of people like to do that. I would like to do that one day. Again, so if you are planning like a Friendsgiving or Thanksgiving with your family, First and foremost, please be safe. Again, there is a certain thing that's still out there in this world. And washing your hands and having sanitizer is still important. At the same time, still have a good time. You know, see the people you haven't seen in a while. Hug them if you feel comfortable doing so. And just enjoy those people that you are thankful on having. And if you would like to tell us who you're thankful for, uh, you can go to our Discord 
where the link on GameRavenReview.com will be right there waiting for you. And we'll be right back with the main segment of the podcast right after this. game raven review podcast with our main segment what does the word indie mean anyway so let's start off with a very simple question what is the definition of a quote-unquote indie game our let's start with you uh well it's become a very broad term i mean i don't know if there is a singular definition um by today's standards. Uh, but to me, it's um, kind of like a garage developer or a garage singer or a garage artist or whatever. It means you have a regular day job that that is your, so- your source of income. And the pet project, if you will, is the indie thing on the side. You know, it's where there's a game, a, a movie that you're making or a track you're recording or whatever you're working on. Um, so it's definitely it's, it's it's to me it's a pet project. It's something that you do with yourself solo or a a small group of friends or something like that. Um, but it's not your sole source of income, and it's literally just a hobby that you're trying to make possible, and you know hope that someday it becomes something big. Nice. I'm gonna take a pause here, Puppet and Taz. Are you also going to answer? Yes, sir. Yeah. Can I meme? Can I troll for a minute? Wait, is this part of the podcast or you're asking me as... yeah, i'm asking you can i troll i'm so sorry the i just oh goodness okay okay how how to be yeah 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 okay so y'all know that i am a wikipedia nerd okay and so i'm always like what is the definition of this as i address my glasses that are non-existent <laughs> um and as i was like looking this up i found the best article um it says it's three ways to be indie and it's it explains how to be indie okay method number one is getting into the indie attitude okay don't care what people think that's number one two appreciate new or forgotten things three be independent four don't feel the need to have a normal relationship if you don't want to either and five express yourself okay Method number two is getting into the culture. You have to have a discerning taste. Number two, look for the timeless, not the ephemeral. Number three, get into the music. Number four, get into DIY. And number five, constantly expose yourself to new things. We're on a good track so far, okay? Method method number three, express yourself with your wardrobe. Stay away from the big brands and stores. Make your accessories treasures. Go for a natural look. And there you go. You're now indie. (laughs) I also just want to bring up in this article, which I really hope you put this like in the podcast description. Everyone's wearing a scarf. 
Like it's just they didn't yep. add that as how to be indie, but everyone has a silly scarf on and a hat. Yes. <laughs> oh God, I love it. Okay, sorry. Um, I just wanted to troll for for a hot second. Um, just because you know, I, this word I just think is so funny. Mostly because you know I come from uh, the music realm, and indie music is a big thing, and. I know this article is super funny, but it's legit. Like, it's a look, it's a feel, it's a, it's a culture to be indie. And so when I started playing, you know, video more video games, and I started playing indie video games, I was like, wait, what? Like, hipster? Hipster video games? Is that what we're talking about here? <laughs> but as, you know, Hour, I loved your your definition. Um uh, that's a lot a lot more accurate than what is in my mind when I think indie. Um, so, and if you're interested, this is what the definition of indie is. It's, um, not belonging or, or, uh, affiliated with a major record or film company. And in this case, um, like a, a larger entity of some sort. I could agree with that. Okay. So as we talk about definitions of the word indie, I just, so I went to my favorite dictionary, urban dictionary. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> indie, independent music, the anti quote unquote emo. Well, maybe like emo's second cousin, twice removed with more talent, skill, and IQ. I, <laughs> who, who hurt you? Right. <laughs> Golden Touch 167. I just want to know who hurt you. Like, where oh, do they come God. up with this stuff, though? <laughs> I know. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. Wow. Another definition also gives a definition of like when they sell out i guess oh yeah mm-hmm. and give an example of modest mouse i'm like oh oh <laughs> <laughs> okay so what i've learned so far is that in order to make an indie game i need to be wearing a scarf mm-hmm. and i have to have a cousin who's like emo am i am i close you also have to appreciate new or forgotten things so you gotta do Again, oh, oh right. Kind of forgot about the step by step, you know? Okay. Yep. They lay it out for you. Well, there you go, friends. Um, if you're listening to this and you want to know how to be indie, visit us in our Discord. We will post this wonderful article so that you can be indie too. Taz, do you have a special definition for the word indie? Uh not really. I'm a I guess you can say a very literal person. And so my only definition that I need is something along the lines of when I Google definition of indie game. And then it tells me, I think, and I believe, I think puppet, you said it, it like you gave the actual definition. It was just like, when you're not backed by a higher corporation, sure. Like publishing indie games is being a, like a lot more prominent from bigger studios, which is like, it's great. It's the dream. I don't really like, call that not indie because like probably a pain in the butt cheeks to publish it on your own anyway i mean props to the people who do uh but also props to people who have been able to like get a like third party to to publish your game but as long as you were you weren't aren't backed by a third party you you paid for it you did it all by yourself by with you or a or a group of people um then it's like yeah that's indie you did it yourself paid for it yourself probably broke the bank 
probably more than once but you did it yourself that's on that's on you good for you proud of you thank you for the great game thank you for the great experience i'll pay top dollar for your great game um but if you're not backed by like microsoft or playstation then or anything higher than that so at least that's what the kind of definition that i came across i, I mean i'm not i'm not an expert but i think i i vibe with that so okay this has been this question has been circulating around here at Game Raven um, quite a bit because um, you know our mission here is to support small creators and um, small indie games that are quote unquote outside of the mainstream indie genre. Um, so what I have come to understand is the definition of indie, and I'm super interested to hear what you all think, um, especially you, our actually as a, a third party. Um, is like a i don't want to say okay quote unquote true indie like i mean like a small indie or like something that is true to the actual definition of indie would be a game that does not have a publisher and or backer would that be like an accurate uh definition of an indie game um uh, yeah, yeah, and no, because it's the same, you know, you cannot have a publisher or backer when you start and you're an indie game. And let's say you do a Kickstarter or like you, you just start getting your screenshots out there and all of a sudden a publisher comes in and says, hey, I want to help you market this game. And they sink, they sink a ton of money into marketing for you so you can make it into a big game. Um so you can focus on making a great game as opposed to having to market it at the same time. And does it make you any less indie because there's somebody that's wanting to help you market your game? I don't, I don't think so. Um, perfect example, um, scale attack. I don't know if you guys have heard of that one. Um, but it was published. It was picked up by Konami. Um, I believe last year it came out. Hmm. So it was just, uh, Dave Stanley, working on it by himself, you know, doing the art and doing the the story and the animations and all that stuff. And Konami, I guess, just fell in love with it and sunk a ton into marketing for him. And, you know, it became a really successful game, in my opinion. And does that make him not indie anymore just because Konami put their name behind it? I don't think so. I think as long as he stays true to the roots of what is considered generally to be indie, then I think that stays indie that way. Hmm. Mm, yeah, because I mean, we've talked about that too. Is like uh, having having the mindset, um, the individual mindset, um, and uh, you know, staying true to yourself and your your art. Because you know, one of the reasons why I love indies so much is that for me, what sets them apart from a lot of I'm not going to say all AAA, but a lot of AAA titles is um, the the passion and the and the heart behind the game is palpable as you're playing it. Um, I can always tell if, if a game is, you know, made by an individual and or a small team versus a larger game um, just by, you know, you can see the passion and feel it. And we've kind of talked about that a little bit here. You're hitting the nail right on the head there. I mean, you're absolutely right. Um, they put so much time and effort and blood, sweat and tears. You know, they sacrifice family time and everything else to, to make a good game for people to enjoy and they're not always in it for the money you know because you might pick up an indie game for a dollar or two dollars or whatever you know so they're not really going to make a fortune off of this thing um they're doing it because they just like to do it and they want 
people to have a good game to play. Um, so yes, there is so much passion from all of these developers, and they actually listen to their audience. You know, and if there's issues the audiences are having, or you know, there's something they don't like, or they would prefer this or that, they're open to ideas and changing things to you know make it an, an enjoyable game. Whereas AAA, they know even if they put out a completely garbage game, they're going to sell thousands of copies for 60 bucks a piece and you know they're going to make their money that's all they care about is the money you know they release the same call of duty game every single year and they say they make millions of dollars they know they're going to make that so they don't care if there's bugs and you can glitch through walls or anything like that whereas an indie developer any little bug or glitch or anything they want you to find and want you to point it out so they can fix it they want to make the game as perfect as they can for their their audience Mm. So yeah, this kind of answers because uh, one of the games that I was using it as, as an example when I was thinking about this question um, was the game Valheim, um, because uh, you know it it just blew up. It did so yes. so well, um, and even with all of that success, you know I think it's like five people who have been working on this game. Um, they do have a publisher, right? Um, but it's been primarily just these five people. They might have added a sixth, but anyway, um, th they listen to feedback. Um, Perfect example. Yeah, and I, I even on Steam right now, it still says early access because they're still listening to what people want, and um, you know they've laid out, you know, here are the developments that we're gonna do to to better the game and they just came out with the hearth and home update and they have a, a couple more coming out because they listen to people um so by that definition um that you you know have laid out for us our like um kind of the the heart and the the spirit behind it valheim even though like its net worth is like a lot it's ridiculous Huge. Huge. Um, yeah, it's past what five million copies. Yeah, crazy. They've kept they've kept that spirit about them. Mm -hmm. Okay, another game I want to know about Minecraft. Would you can since we're considering you know Valheim to be quote unquote indie and to have the indie spirit? What is the story with Minecraft, and is that considered to be an indie game? Um, to me, it's absolutely not at this point. Um, it started that way, uh, and it is. It became so huge and so popular. Microsoft actually bought Minecraft, so you know it, it actually all the rights to it and everything. I believe, unless I'm speaking here, um, it actually belongs to Microsoft. So at this point, it is absolutely, in my opinion, not an indie game. It's still a good game, and it has indie roots. But at this point, it crossed a little threshold when they sold and said, okay, here, Microsoft, you buy us and you decide what happens with the game, not us. That's when it crossed over into AAA at that point for me. Microsoft bought Minecraft for $2.5 with a B dollars. With a B? The, sec the second letter of the alphabet, B? B as in boy. Oh. I what? Wow. Good for them, though. Yeah, I mean, good for the developers. I mean, good for the the original creators. But holy cow, not indie. Hope everyone got their Christmas bonuses. Absolutely. And not a, you know, fruit of the month club or <laughs> anything like that. An actual bonus. <laughs> fruit of the month. And I kind of agree uh. to some degree. To some degree. Ha ha ha. 
Um, because again, like you said, Minecraft as in a six-year-old today playing it, no. That child only knows Minecraft as being the thing that was bought for $2.5 billion. While the beginning of it, yes, it was an indie game. But now when you have, I don't, again, I haven't started nor looked at a Minecraft since it's been bought. So I don't know if he even still has it. Mojang? Yeah, Mo, probably saying that horribly too. But I don't even know if it still has that logo on it. It probably does somewhere, maybe. But mm. more than likely, it ha- probably has like Microsoft Studios or something slapped on it. That kind of takes that away. Um, like our said, like I think the dream of every indie game to some degree is for it to be first seen positively, right? Right. Like I want people to like my game. No one makes a game to be like, oh, I hate this thing. <laughs> Bad. You know, you want this to be a game that someone likes. And kind of also what our kind of mentioned a little bit as well, where you also don't need it to make money. But if it does, good. Yep. You know, if it is sold for maybe just a humble $1 billion, you know, you have that idea like um, the game that I always fluff up here, um, Five Nights at Freddy's, which again, started off as being a dude, like, you know, on his last kind of dollar making that game that now has like almost 20 books and several fan games made about it, but even those fan games are well-received by the FNAF's community that, again, leads that wheel kind of always spinning. That just because something is successful doesn't mean it can't be indie anymore, but, like, specifically to Minecraft, once you're bought out by, again, the 2.5... Exactly. To me, I don't look at that anymore as being, oh, you're still indie. Now, if you made $2.5 billion, that's, even, that's great. But again, someone now owns those rights that was not the original team that started this project. So from two th- 2013 on, to me, Minecraft stopped being, again, an indie game and more, again, like it's already been said, a AAA game. Yep. Mm. Okay, can I, can I throw a couple other examples toward you guys? Yes. Sure. All right. Can we talk about Fall Guys? Oh, I remember Fall Guys. Do you did do you guys know very much about Fall Guys? I've only played it a little bit. I don't know like the whole backstory of how it how it came to be and everything though. How it lasted like two months and then it just <laughs> fell off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Okay, because uh, so Fall Guys when Fall Guys came out, that's that's when I really started to get passionate about like what does indie mean. Um. And, you know, we can dive into this further when we answer the last question. But um, people consider Fall Guys to be an indie game. However, the company that made Fall Guys, uh, Mediatonic, um, is a huge company. Huge. Um, it has hundreds of, of employees. So, yeah, they, they created this game. And they, you know, published it on their own. But would you consider it an indie game if there are, you know, over 200 employees working on the game? Yes. Taz says yes. Oh, I want to I hear, hear this. Yeah. What, how is it still an indie game? If the company you're talking about that developed Fall Guys, if by definition they were not backed by anybody other than themselves, then it would be an indie game. Sure, they has like 200 plus uh, employees, 
but like how many of those employees actually worked on the game? And then, uh, and then this is actually a real question. Who, for a quick fact check, who published it? Uh, uh, published by Epic Games and Devolver Digital, which Devolver Digital does mm. a lot of Devolver. indie publishing is what they do. Epic Games, they probably just like, if anything, they probably backed Devolver and just like picked it up. Actually, yeah, they probably just picked it up and were like, hey. But then again, I don't know, if, well, that's speculation. I'm not saying that in fact, in truth. That's probably just a a thing. Um, yeah, Ep- Epic is actually trying to, you know, dive into the indie realm a little bit and you know, try to get some great games out there for people. Right. And that's, that's, see, that's another interesting like perspective. Uh, cause I kind of talk about, uh, on my indie streams and even back when I was streaming, like sometimes, you know, you're balling on a budget, you're gaming on a budget, but there are a lot of great resources to get quote unquote free games. Um, Epic games every Thursday come out with games. Some of them are indie, some of them are not. If you pay for game pass, which you're paying for, if you pay for game pass, they they have a lot of great indie games up like up on there even like pretty quickly that just come out, um, and so that's not really at fault of the developer and it's like that doesn't disqualify it from being an indie game even though now it's on a pretty high platform not just on itch.io, um, but as long as back to the original question as long as Fall Guys wasn't backed by anybody other than themselves then it, it I in my opinion it would be considered an indie game. Okay, so on that. Um, are you guys familiar with, um, it takes two? Yes. Yes. Okay. So that actually, I believe just won some kind of award on one of the game, you know, game award things, um, for like best indie game. And to me, that is absolutely, it's kind of the same way as fall guys, but it's absolutely not indie in my opinion, because it was developed by a team from EA and like, um, EA actually gave them a space to work and funded the game and everything while they worked on it. And it, it technically, according to those game awards, qualified as indie. And I'm like, no, you had an almost mm-hmm. endless budget. You actually work for EA. You had an EA space at their one of their facilities and everything. Like you, that is absolutely not indie. Um, so like Fall Guys, kind of the same. You know, yeah, they had some big names behind them, but like. They there was like two hundred people, like you said. They may not have all been working on it. But to me, that's that's a big that's a big. It's, you're not an indie anymore. Indies are like small groups of people, small teams, in my opinion. Hmm. Well, a little backstory here for also Fall Guys as well. Fall Guys started with a thirty person team. Hmm. Um, began the initial prototyping with a small team growing, oh, growing to being thirty people during development. But they mentioned that. They pretty much were starting on this game before um, Devolver or anyone else came along. Hmm. Oh, I see. All right. So um, with the pitch deck completed, Tanton, yeah, person in charge of this. Uh, six months later, Devolver Digital agreed to publish the game. So they were already kind of having an idea of the game. And that to me is somewhat important. Hmm. Um because like okay, like No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky is also technically a indie game that then got backed by PlayStation. Don't quote me on that one either. Backed by people who wanted that game to come out and sadly was not ready to come out whatsoever. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, when you look at the story, and there's um, a YouTuber by the name of Internet Historian does a wonderful video on No Man's Sky and pretty much breaks down everything for an entire hour, where when that game came out, 
it looked not to say it looked like an indie game, but it looked like an indie game that got rushed. Yes. Because people wanted it so bad. And it got dragged. And I forgot the guy's name. So sorry if you ever do listen to this, sir. I do apologize. He's a very shy man. Was it Sean? I don't. Ah. There was a man that was always put on stage who was not ready for that. And it became just too much for him. But again, it's the do I see this as as an indie game? Because again, Microsoft, whoever put their name behind it. I do because this game was already developing. Mm -hmm. Like this game, like the footsteps were already kind of made for this to become a game. And sadly, is it Hello Games? Yeah, Hello Games kind of got caught up with the hype. Now, I was very vocal about that at the time because I, I would love to have seen pictures of this game before it came out, and sadly, they never did. Here's his name, Gareth, I think. G-A-R-E-T-H, Gareth Bourne, who... Again, wonderful man, it looks like. You know, family man even. Pretty much sold his house to make this game. Mm, mm-hmm. And for me, again, that also kind of lends to this being an indie game for me. Because you're putting capital, like you're literally putting your life to this game. Mm, and if it is not successful, because I think the story even is that his wife was like pregnant with like their second kid. It's like, <laughs> it's all the things that you don't want to do when you're like, yeah, I'm putting a lean on my house to right. make this game and see i didn't know all that so like you know when i when i was listening to taz about you know 200 people on the team and everything i mean yeah i mean now that i know a little bit about the backstory absolutely mm-hmm. i would say it yeah it's it's still an indie game yeah so like the so the definition has a lot to do with its origins and if it sticks to that heart behind it right yeah stay true to the roots stay true to the roots is what what we're what we're it's seeing. not backed, backed by money. It's backed by love. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> uh, um, so a question in my mind. Um, as Taz was talking about, you know, the literal definition of uh, is it backed by uh, anything else? Um, my question is, like, you know, Nintendo has Nintendo games. So... By that definition, how <laughs> it seems to break down at that point, right? Because really large AAA titles still have their own development companies or development and everything. And I was looking into a uh, Game Freak, and Pokemon came out just because we were talking about Pokemon before. I'm just digging around <laughs> for kicks and giggles because you know I'm a troll <laughs> today. Um, I want to know how how. How big was Game Freak when Pokemon was first released? And I don't even know what the the story is. I know that the um the devel- the uh creator of Pokemon was autistic. Fun fact, I learned that from uh my husband who works at the Alyssa Burnett Center. Um and uh they talked about the story of the creator of Pokemon and how inspirational that was. Um but I just, I don't know. I'm just curious um, looking into to all of it. So because I know that that Pokemon was such a um, passion project for um, for Game Freak and um, for all of those involved. And even like there is some of that 
um, un unspoken spirit that we keep referring to. And also, side note to your question about um, Game Freak, as of 2019, they only have 140 employees. Really? Wow. Still that small? Wow. Again, again, like you said, like compared to like a cap palm or anything else, it's like yeah, that that's not that big. Um, but yeah, that's for most things I'm quoting that they have like 140, 150 employees. That's very interesting. Yeah. Okay. So on April 26, 1989, uh, Tajiri uh, Sugimori and uh, Junichi Masuda started a video game development company with the same name. One of Game Freak's first games was the Nintendo Entertainment System action puzzle game Quinty, which was released in North America. Okay. Its most popular series, Pokemon, the romanticized uh, Portamanta. I don't know if I'm saying that right, of the Japanese brand Pocket Monsters. Am I understanding this correctly, that like two people basically came up with the idea of Pokemon? That's what it sounds like to me. I did not know that. Whoa. Interesting facts. Super, see, this is why I like my little Wikipedia holes. You just learn things. Go down the rabbit hole and see what you find. Yeah, geez. Okay. Well, now I'm starting to wonder, is Pokemon an indie game? Pokemon an indie game confirmed. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Somebody pull me out of this hole. Well, I mean, that would be a great lead in, you know, to your next uh, question there. If, you know, you'd, you'd said, does it hurt smaller indies when larger games are considered are categorized as indies if pokemon was considered an indie game and was in some kind of indie awards show then yeah i would totally say it hurts you know the smaller indies because they won't get any any chance to shine agreed like the <laughs> every e3 game show award it's so funny when they have like the indie section and like your indie game is there for like a half a second. Yes. Like, and you don't really get to see. Like, I remember when I first saw Cuphead, I was like, what is that? What was that? What happened? <laughs> what was that? Was that a cartoon? And it's gone. <laughs> like, like this is a live stream. I can't go back. I'm on Twitch. I should have been on YouTube. No. And it's just so quick. So when you have, like you said, the smaller indies that if you get on that stage, that's great. If you don't get on that stage, you're not really going to get mentioned a lot of times. Like, without having, like, just to be honest, like, without having, like, a YouTuber find your game and then play it, you know, your Markiplier's, your PewDiePie's, I don't know if you used to play his games for that matter, the Jacksepticeye's, <laughs> like, when you have those bigger YouTubers kind of put those games up to be like, oh, man, this, like, um, what, what was it, 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 Happy Wheels? Mm. Is it Happy Wheels? Like, I didn't know what a, ha a Happy, I think it was Happy Wheels, that, like, figure this game, like, on a bike and had to jump things yeah. or you died i think that's what it was called I think that's oh, what it was. oh my gosh the videos are so funny <laughs> yes. and but it's the thing like i wouldn't know that game unless pewdiepie or someone else played it hmm. and where you're when the larger ones kind of get put there as an indie when like i said minecraft minecraft was there first so yes you know before 2013 yes it was an indie but to put that in that same category or to go to the game awards and you see like the best indie game and it's like 
all these games that have, you know, hundreds of thousands of people playing it, you know, do I really see that as an indie game? Oh, look, it's backed by Microsoft. Oh, look, it's backed by Devolver. Because even Devolver at this point, if not a triple A is like double A, like it's it's right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 definitely growing. Like you know, it has its own section in E3. Like yeah. they keep doing that same bit with that one woman every year who's going more and more crazier. <laughs> I enjoy. But again, that's like that's the whole thing there. So to me, does it I guess kind of hurt to some degree? Yes. Because if I go to Steam and like I just type in the word indie or I, I'm looking for indie, like the top in let me actually do that right now. Top indie games. I'm curious on what I find. All right, so we have Stardew Valley. Puppet, is that an indie game? You know, I um I I love Stardew Valley, so I'm whatever you say, you can't ever say anything bad about Stardew Valley. So <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can say yes. Okay, let's go to next. Hades, which I think is Devolver. Are you with Devolver? Hades. Uh Supergiant. So Hades, very big game from like two or three years ago now. Is that indie? Yeah, super giant. Hmm. Again, the name the name is super giant. No. It's one of those gray areas, I think. I think it started indie, but then I think it got so big and I don't know I don't know the backstory on it. Like I don't know if the developers stayed true to what they had envisioned or if they like gave up creative control and let the publisher and uh you know, whoever was backing it kind of have a say in what happens. To me, that's part of it for me as well is um once you do grow and let's say you you start your game's taking off, you're making lots of money. Do the investors or backers or publishers do they take over creative control and start telling you what you're going to do with your game? Once that starts, I definitely think you're no longer indie. The developer has to maintain creative control, in my opinion. So, with that definition, Pokemon is still indie, you guys. Oh my god, um, <laughs> Sam. Sam just posted <laughs> in our little Discord an uh, excerpt that's really great. Um, and it says that uh, Junichi uh, Masuda, who has been at Game Freak since the early days, told Game Informer that he'd work, he would work with just 20 employees if he could. He noted that having bigger teams results in having too many cooks in the kitchen. Masuda prefers small teams due to how key communication is, which can be challenging when developing games. Wow. We are in the twilight twilight zone of indies right now. Wow. We are in the twilight zone. <laughs> well, well, but they still okay, but even then they still have like a hundred plus employees that like to me, and I, I I hate doing the well, you know, this indie person had seven people, or this person had twenty, where as much as again you joke around, Game Freak is not an indie studio. Yeah. You have a hundred plus employees that you, you should probably should have more. I want my national decks. How dare you not give that to me? Um, yes, I'm still mad about that. Do not take away my anger. Um, <laughs> but I understand also what he means as well, right? Like, I understand the wanting to be able to have my creative rights at the same time, not sell my house to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that to me is that balance where again, like No Man's Sky, or again, looking at this list of indie games that Google just gave me, Cuphead, Shovel Knight, Minecraft, Spelunky, Hotline Miami, Undertale, Hollow Knight, Limbo, Super Meat Boy, Bastion, um, 
the witness into the gungeon i like into the gungeon and yeah and those are like some of the biggest indie games of all time but i i they they started indie like i don't know necessarily think they're still indie mm-hmm. right and that to me is when that line starts yeah there's a huge gray line somewhere it, it's not black and white it's not there's no easy definition for it right oh and it's sadly it is going to be the person with the sweater and the scarf in the back like well this isn't really indie you know that they got bought out <laughs> and it sounds bad but at the same time that is what happened right 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 is that as much as i like hades i think hades is a very good game it it's it's not it's not i don't know i don't see it as being indie yeah, <laughs> like, I, I don't, don't see that one as indie either. Let me let me throw something at you. Um, so I'm involved in the indie world order, and we have a what we hope to be an annual um, indie game virtual convention called IWOCON, Indie World Order Convention. So we just shortened it IWOCON. Um, and last year we did it absolutely free. It was funded out of our pocket. We had uh, some sponsor booths that you know they paid just to have a booth there, um, but. This year, I mean, we sunk so much money until we came out in the hole. We just, we just can't do it. We can't spend that amount of time on it this year and not do it and not be able to make something off of it to help fund it. Um, so my question is, if we were to go out for sponsors or, you know, if somebody decided, hey, we want to really sink some money into this and make this the best indie convention that it can be better than all the other ones are we not indie anymore at that point? There are seven of us on the, in the indie world order core, you know, group of owners or whatever you want to call it, developers. Um, so would we no longer be indie if somebody big said, Hey, here's a whole bunch of money. Let's make this happen. I do not believe that would take you away from being an indie. I think, and I'm again, if I'm wrong, puppet and Taz, please tell me an hour as well. I think our general idea of what indie is, kind of has a foundation of this is still my baby. Yes. You're not telling me how to raise this child. Or you're not telling me what should and shouldn't go here or there. This is still my independent idea. I am now just being recognized for my idea. So if someone comes along to say, hey, I want to pay you all the money to get this developed. You'll have our name. You'll have our backing, all that. But I keep my identity and the game keeps its identity. I still believe that's indie. Because again, that is still my studio, Hello Games, my studio. Again, um, why am I forgetting the FNAF guy's name? Scott, something or other. That guy. Like, I'm still that person, whether I'm on a PlayStation or not. Because I'm still keeping up to what I want to do. So, same thing with. Again, with the conference, if the conference gets sponsored by Powerade, because sure, why not? <laughs> and everyone has like Powerade bottles everywhere, right? Uh-huh. And at the same time, they also tell you, by the way, you have to mention Powerade at least once every hour. That kind of maybe not fully takes away, but I would be like, oh, look, they're shilling. Mm. Right. So maybe maybe you're just a sellout at that point. You're still indie, but you're right. a sellout. Okay. Right. Well, again, same issue with Powerade. Powerade comes and says, Oh my God, we love what you all are doing. Do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, you know, we're not going to change anything. Hours are still going to be the same. People are going to still be the same. Have it virtual, have it in person. 
have someone come off a helicopter. We don't care. Like whatever you want to do, do it. And we'll just give you that money. Creative control. Correct. Creative yeah. control to me is still going to be the biggest thing. Okay. That once that's gone and I don't feel the spirit of that game anymore, that to me is kind of where your indie status starts to get hazy for me. I hope, I hope that's how it's perceived you know, generally by most of the people, whether it's the developers that actually have their game showcased there or the the gamers who are actually downloading the game on Steam and checking it out and you know hopefully spending hours there checking out indie games. Um I hope that they perceive it that way. That like if if there is some money that comes in and starts backing it, like they just they don't consider us non indie anymore. Like we want to stay true to the roots of indie. Yeah, and that's that's the that's the difference right there is is the heart. And you know, we've been talking about that a bit. Um I think also, you know, with a convention like that, which is absolutely wonderful. You know, I'm a big fan of Iwocon. Um I I think as long as you keep that heart of supporting small creators and you keep a pl- an even playing field, um, I, you know, you see, you see big AAA companies um, wanting to get in on this indie games thing, right? Like for me, when it comes down to it, I care about whether or not your use of the word indie is helping or hurting the small creators in that community. And um, I think this, too, because, um, you know, a little background on me, my, my parents are, are brewers, okay? They own a brewery, nice. a microbrewery here in, um, in the Seattle area. And, um, you know, they, uh, they're a part of, you know, sm- the Small Brewers Guild. And, um, you know, at some point, uh, Elysian is one of the, the breweries out here, um, was bought by Anheuser-Busch. And um, if you know, Anheuser-Busch makes Budweiser. Um, and so what Anheuser-Busch has been doing is been um, they realized that uh, being a small microbrewery is in right now. And there's a lot of potential money in that because consumers are looking for something unique. They want something more than your garden variety beer that's easy to drink and is super visible like Budweiser. So they're going around and they're buying up microbreweries. Um, I see the same thing happening in the indie world. And it's kind of what um, drives, I think, my questions around what does indie mean and how is it being used and who is it affecting? And um, because when you... When you back an indie game and, um, you know, if you take away that creative freedom like Sam was talking about, or if you begin to, um, like, favor uh, certain games um, over others because they have more money, not because of the content of the game, um, that's when it gets sticky. Um, But for you and I, Wokon, like, as long as you stick to that heart and and um, your mission to support small creators um, and in- to include them and not just promote, you know, the larger, quote unquote, larger indies, um, I-, I think I think you'll be fine. Um, and in reality, like your uh, I know I is like a game, right? It's like a, you know. 
technically a game. I don't see it as a game. It it feels to me like it's in a different category because it's a virtual convention. And that's a whole different animal. And, you know, we have yet to categorize those because they're just starting to come out. Yeah, it actually, you know, it all came about with COVID being, you know, virtual. virtual. Um, mm. Originally, we were going to have, have an actual convention in Florida and host it down there. But uh, yeah, then, you know, whole COVID thing came around and virtual was born. So, but yeah, I hope, mm-hmm. I hope that people will see us like you guys are seeing us and, you know, Hey, we're just going to keep it indie. So it was, you know, when you started talking, we started talking about this conversation about what actually makes it. I'm like, well, we, you know, of course we're just the typical indie. We want to see this just blow up. We want to be Valheim. We want to be Cuphead or whatever, you know, we want everybody to, to, you know, we want it to be a household name. But mm-hmm. we still, at the same time, want to maintain that small indie feel, kind of like what we were talking about with Game Freak. Uh, you know, we want to maintain the smallness and just have a few people working on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's, again, comes down to the heart. Um, what What is your mission here? Um, and what is the space that you're taking up to? Um, I just think of It Takes Two and how you mentioned, you know, that it, it won the indie game of the year or whatever. That takes away from those smaller titles. And me as a consumer, that makes me mad because as a consumer, I love indie games because they're made by, you know, a, a small team. And the the heart of that creation is important to me and the connection that I feel with that small team um you know the underdog or you know whatever i want to know that when something is labeled indie that it has that same spirit that i know it that i know and that i'm looking for i feel like i'm it it's deceptive to label something as indie if it's if it's not truly quote unquote indie just from a consumer's perspective and so if you are a game that's being backed by a lot of money and um, you submit your game for an award like the Indie Game of the Year, you're taking up space that a smaller creator could fill with a game that's just as good as yours. And that win, that medal, that award can mean so much more to them. And I don't know, for me personally, as as an indie game enthusiast, I, I just... I'm passionate that everybody gets space and I just see an imbalance happening right now in the indie world. Um, so I, I don't know if that like answers your question or whatever, but yeah, I mean, yep, absolutely agree. I was, I was waiting for, ta- for Taz to chime in because I, I like, I, I like some of Taz's viewpoints. Sorry, I'm a little, I'm a little spicy with my viewpoints, but thank you. That means a lot. <laughs> yeah, go for it, Taz. Get those gloves on. You got our day <laughs> giving you permission. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Like I, said, I didn't I didn't I didn't wear my debate pants today, but like I, I like Taz's opinions. I like his views. Thank you. That means a lot. That <laughs> awesome. means a lot, actually. Thank you. Um no, like like I don't know, puppet now you guys have more perspective than I do. I'm just I'm just kind of the gamer at that point. Like and not like saying you guys are not. Like that's that's it. You know, I've been consuming games for years decades and like that's kind of my surface level stuff and knowledge but also with that comes a sense of perspective of like i'm kind of as you were talking i was kind of thinking of like sure it's kind of like a two and two thing and this is kind of i'm actually just kind of reverting back to like the 
the smaller indies versus larger indies using the namesake um and how sure yeah it can like larger indies can hurt uh when using the label because when you're searching through epic steam um game pass using those tags you see indie you get the top ones right top 10s top 20s sure you might be interested sure they're still indie great um but then again it's kind of interesting when you have platforms such as itch.io that pretty much cater to the smaller things but still boost up the more popular ones based on ratings uh comments things like that um so if anything, it's kind of, if anything, in my opinion, larger indies um, help in terms of categorization because it inspires other developers, other smaller creators to have like games. Like there's a million roguelites, right? All of them are like, at least a fat majority of them are up there in the top 20s, top 10s, but they're the same game. They're the same premise, you know, the what the the Isaac one, Hades, Enter the Gungeon, uh, a couple others that I played. It's the it, the Skella something. It's the same game. It's the same game style. Fortunately, they're all indies. They have a different you know on a on a different pedestal than the other. Um, but you won't be anything without the inspiration of oh, I want to make a game just like Hades or just like Enter the Gungeon. Um, Pokemon a little bit more stingy because you can't make a Pokemon game because there's a weird like rights thing to how it's they're so like they're legal uh hold on the concept of a pokemon game is so tight that the only successful one i've ever seen is temtem um pokemon if you're listening to this don't don't look up temtem um (laughs) but it is a monster uh fighting game i guess you can say i don't know really know what the what the category of pokemon game is um but you have that kind of inspiration right um and so if anything it does not hurt it because there are platforms dedicated to the the smaller half of indies whereas sure your bigger platforms again kind of bring up the 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 big boys you can say the big people the big ones um but larger games uh and this is all saying with there's there's some gray area for sure but larger games do like to inspire the small ones i can't wait for the next valheim game to come out i want to see what that's like maybe a different theme not just in a norse theme but maybe some other kind of mythological uh story to be had you know that'd be great that'd be freaking awesome um so there's 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 a lot to balance but I like to think that larger games help smaller, smaller games because there's an inspiration. Yeah, I like I like how you framed that. Um, I didn't think about that uh, perspective because um, I know, like for us at Game Raven, like um, when we're deciding whether or not to cover a certain game, right? Um, because our focus is primarily with really small indies. Um, we have covered quote unquote larger indie games before because of that viewership you're talking about, Taz. Um, I, I guess in that way, when a larger game is is uh, labeled as indie, it does bring attention, I guess, to the to the community and to that sort of game. And in a perfect world, when you're playing a quote unquote larger indie game, 
you are able to see, you know, what are similar games to it and and how um, how can I get to the smaller indies and how can they be supported through um, just consumers going to the larger indie games like Stardew Valley, for example. Like, I wouldn't know about Graveyard Keeper at all if I hadn't played Stardew Valley. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't know about any of the indies if I hadn't played Stardew Valley. That was my first quote-unquote indie game, and it's a, it's a, gate, a gateway... <laughs> A gateway (laughs) indie, you know, for a lot of people. Um, So in that way, I guess having having those more successful indies does help um, uh, the smaller smaller indies um, too. That's yeah, that's very interesting. Mm -hmm. But like you said, it it, like you said it it's not a perfect world. So sure, like in some some aspects, like I think our you mentioned how. Uh, I forgot which game you were talking about, but like gets praised or gets awards in like these big award shows for being indie when they're not really, you could argue, you know? Um, So putting on a pedestal insert like in that kind of realm, bad, very negative, not as ideal. Um, But when you do have platforms such as, and I've mentioned this, like, and I give high praise for itch.io who, or like even, um, Iwocon, things like that, like that's cool. That's freaking sick. Love to go to convention virtually and seeing these kind of more like on the smaller end things that um, is 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 ideal. Um, so not a perfect world. Uh, so there's kind of arguments, but um, but yeah, 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 yeah. So puppet, I see, what, I see what you're saying for sure. Yeah, and I love the heart too. Hour of Iwocon, um, you want to grow. Because you know that you, when you grow, you you are going to be using your platform to support small creators. I think that's beautiful. That is exactly what the small indie community needs. And um, what, you know, indie enthusiasts like myself uh, who are looking for small smaller games wants. So, I mean, yes, please be successful. Please get backed and have lots of money and keep that that heart behind it because um when when you grow it it helps far more than it hurts the community so that's what we're trying to do we're trying to help everybody and everybody that we can so um yeah i'm, I'm just loving this conversation I've, I've i'm getting a lot of different uh perspectives and takes on things that like i hadn't really thought about so i've really enjoyed all of this gray gray area this gray talk Gray talk, yes, we like it. <laughs> Hashtag gray talk. <laughs> Hashtag gray talk. Hashtag Pokemon's an indie game. <laughs> oh, that would start something. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> oh goodness. Um, one last thing, I guess, before we go, because it does sound like we're a little wrapping up here. I think puppets. I think you've talked about this game before. Spirit Fairer. Great game. Great freaking game. Cried. Reason I bring it up. Um, again, the very infamous game awards um so again i just looked at the like what won and what was in the category of best indie game last year was hades carry on fall guys spelunky 2 and spirit fairer which i'm not against any of those games honestly <laughs> like I, I like a lot of those games and like you said these are some of the better known games hmm. i still have beef with fall guys just because i want to like a true hipster (laughs) then the year before that we have disco asylum baba is you i i don't know what that is 
I don't remember that. Um, oh, Bubba is You is the writing game, I think. Katana Zero, Outer Wilds, and Untitled Goose Game. Outer Wilds is one that I've yet to play either. I've, you know, it's been on my wish list forever, and I just, I never have played it. I played Untitled Goose Game. Um, that was fun. Like, again, I like making ruckus <laughs> with, a, <laughs> with a goose. Like, why not? This is like, side note. Um, suddenly I'm seeing the indie name as like the indie genre as having subgenres. We've broken it apart so much. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's always good to get into a good conversation like this, really uh, broaden your horizons and, you know, just open up your eyes a little bit to other people's opinions and really help you form, form your own or transform your own. Yeah. Well, thank you all for joining us. And that will be the end of the podcast for this week. Thank you all for listening. I have been your host, Sam. You can find me on all social media under Sam said it DFW. Our, where can you be found? Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. Uh, YouTube is very few and far between. Twitch has really slowed down um, because of real life, you know. But hopefully, once again, I'll be getting back into three nights a week. And Twitter daily. So Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Our Day Gamer. If if I'm on the platform, it's Our Day Gamer. Nice. Puppet. Yeah, I'm Puppet Master N. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, all the things, Facebook, um, under uh, Puppet Master E-N. And uh, I am streaming a lot more than I did before. So I am now up to five days a week on Twitch. And um, our schedule for Game Raven's Twitch channel is uh, shifting around, so stay tuned for that. Um, we have a lot of exciting stuff happening, but uh, stay tuned. And Taz, what are your social meds? You can find me at TazCDevil3 on all the social meds. I do stream on Twitch on Wednesday nights on the Game Raven Review Twitch channel, playing whatever's fresh and neat in the world. Uh, so I hope to see you then. And as always, you can find us on Twitter and Twitch at GameRavenReview and GameRavenReview.com and join our Discord. Have a fantastic week, a very happy holidays. And until next time, goodbye.